inside sources, an inside look at 2024 presidential politics. Welcome to our weekly inside sources, inside look at presidential politics. And we're actually going to do a double today. Uh, We can't fit it all into one segment of the show. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to dig in and get behind the scenes, the political campaigns, especially the presidential race, as we roll through 2024. And as we do this, of course, so we've got big news coming on the Republican side out of South Carolina. That will be their primary tomorrow. We'll come to that uh, in the next segment. But we're going to start on the Democratic side uh, because it's President Biden's week. Uh, The administration has been very vocal uh, in attempting to really take control of the narrative. A lot of things happening or not happening in Congress, whether it has to do with the southern border and immigration or whether it's funding for Ukraine and Israel. Uh, There are a host of things uh, that are happening on that front. So let's start uh, with President Joe Biden and his reelection bid. Uh, Very interesting. Of course, a little Utah connection today as well. Uh, Governors from across the country visiting the White House, their annual winter meeting. And, of course, uh, our own governor, Spencer Cox, is not only in attendance, but he is the head of the National Governors Association. And uh, the president welcomed the governors to the White House. That's always a unique moment uh, when you have the leaders of the states who tend to get more things done and operate within budgets uh, than uh, than our federal counterparts do. Uh, so the president welcomed all of them there to the White House. Of course, he touted some of the things that he had done, especially in terms of infrastructure uh, and what that was meaning in the states of all of these governors from across the country. We've been incredible partners. Governors know the measure of success isn't how many partisan points we score. It's did we fix the problem. We disagree on how to fix the problem many times. We're all here for one reason, to fix the problems, to get things done for families, for communities, for the country. I came to office when the pandemic was raging and the economy was reeling, but we've turned things around with your help. The American Rescue Plan provided $350 billion to state and local governments. The bipartisan infrastructure law made the most significant investment in our nation's infrastructure in history. At the end of his remarks, uh, President Biden actually gave a little shout out to Utah's governor for his leadership. I appreciate Governor Cox's effort to make it make the mission of the NGA to get those of us who disagree with one another to listen to one another, to treat one another with a sense of dignity and respect. That's essential in the part of America. That's how we get things done. That's how democracy works when it works. It needs to be able to have that kind of exchange. That's a nice shout out uh, from President Biden. And again, uh, Governor Cox taking the Utah model to Washington, D.C. We like to see that uh, on a lot of different fronts uh, and clearly one of those uh, moments today for sure. Uh, looking at the rest of the presidential side of things in terms of the politics of it all, on Wednesday, I actually spoke with Michael Stratford from uh, Politico. He had been reporting on the latest efforts of the Biden administration to implement additional student loan forgiveness. And uh, here's how he described it in the context, both of administration, but also re-election. So what the administration did today, announced a first bucket of loan forgiveness for borrowers who are enrolled in their new loan repayment program. It's a more generous variation of what the federal government has offered for a long time, which are income-driven repayment programs. Mm. But under the Biden plan, Uh, borrowers have an easier path to getting their loans forgiven uh, sooner, and they also face lower monthly payments than they did before. So clearly some policy components that the president is trying to drive through. Also, 
Not a bad re-election strategy in terms of a lot of those voters, most of them younger voters who are still carrying a lot of that student loan debt. And uh, these, this particular bucket, as uh, Michael Stratford from Politico described for us, uh, these were people who were involved in this uh, savings program, this loan repayment program, and had shown they had been doing their part for a number of years. So these are not just some freeloaders. These are people who are at least trying to pay those loans back. Uh, but always interesting uh, in terms of what you do and then how you do it. And then, as is always the case in politics, who gets credit, which led to a really interesting component to all of this that got me thinking about uh, Moana as President Biden. Let everybody know that they're welcome. You're welcome. That was the message coming out of the White House, coming from the president and even going directly to the email of about 153,000 Americans who the president was just letting them know, you're welcome. Your student loan is forgiven. And, of course, that uh, music was from uh, the Disney hit Moana, uh, where the demigod uh, was basically taking credit for everything from the sun coming up uh, to everything that's good in between. Uh, You're welcome. He was responsible. And the president was uh, definitely taking a victory lap on that. But he wanted to make sure uh, that everybody knew. Here's what the content of that email uh, really composed of uh, for all of those borrowers out there. The first word is congratulations. And I'm paraphrasing now, but it's effectively thanks to the policies of my administration. uh, You now have student debt relief and it's signed by the president at the end of the email. Now, it's not every day that you get an email from the president of the United States. uh, And as uh, Michael Stratford from Politico pointed out for us, uh, it all started with, of course, the presidential seal at the top of the email, just in case you were wondering where it was really come from. uh, And starting with those words, congratulations, and then continuing on with several different iterations of you're welcome. Uh, The the reason you're getting this uh, forgiveness for your student loan is due to President Biden being in the White House. And so that was an interesting strategy. Uh, And it's one that has been debated amongst the Democrats on a whole host of issues. So this is interesting political uh, that they, many on the Democratic side, don't feel like the president has taken enough credit for things that he has been able to get done, infrastructure bills and so on. And uh, so this was clearly a moment where the campaign said, if you're going to do this, there is a political benefit to this. And you better make sure everybody knows what you're doing and that it's happening because of you, uh, because otherwise it's one of those things that just kind of slides on by. And uh, so the administration, of course, uh, wanted to take some credit. So they did a very big shout out to themselves, uh, kind of a Moana style. Uh, the Rock Johnson, I believe, is the singer there. So uh, The Rock uh, helping along with the uh, You're Welcome category there for the Biden uh, presidential campaign. Of course, a host of other things happening on that front. Uh, we talked a little bit about the president going on TikTok uh, during the Super Bowl, really launching his campaign there. That's another one that is high stakes, behind the scenes politics. Uh, it was less than a year ago. Uh, that President Biden was among many who said we should ban TikTok in the United States. Uh, he was part of a of a growing chorus, uh, people who were saying uh, we need to have them sell this off. This cannot be a Chinese-owned and operated company here in the United States. It needs to be sold, or we need to be able to block it. 
Uh, they they did take it off of all of the federal phones, any uh, federal employees or federally issued phones. A lot of states have done that as well. And so how do you go from that leap of saying we should ban it altogether or at minimum make sure it's not on any government phone anywhere to the president not only signing up and getting his own account, uh, but then launching to make sure a lot of people go there in the middle of the Super Bowl. Uh, and the answer is the big L word. It's lobbying. And TikTok lobbied well over $5 million worth of lobbying efforts uh, inside the Beltway there in Washington, D.C., and ultimately they won out. They also did some very slick advertising uh, across the country, including during the Super Bowl, uh, talking about everybody who is on TikTok, from grandmas to priests and nuns and neighbors and everybody in between, all of the good things on TikTok. Uh, not talking about any of the downside or who actually owns it or where your data may be going and how the Chinese government may be using that in their divisive campaign uh, to make sure that the country stays divided. So all of those are behind-the-scenes look in terms of what's happening on the Democratic side of the aisle. We're going to stay with the conversation here in uh, our behind-the-scenes looks, our inside sources look at inside the presidential race. We'll take a quick break for some bottom-of-the-hour news. And when we come back, uh, Samuel Benson's going to join us. And we're going to take a deep dive look at South Carolina, what to expect tomorrow on the Republican side. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's voice of reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources, an inside look at 2024 presidential politics. Well, every week, every Friday on Inside Sources, we give you the inside look at presidential politics. And there was so much to cover this week, we couldn't do it in a single segment. So we spent the first segment talking about President Biden and his reelection efforts and the things that he did this week to try to leverage and uh, be best positioned now. And we're going to shift to the Republican side of the aisle where it is election eve in South Carolina. And uh, as we always look to when we're looking to the road on presidential politics, we go to Samuel Benson. Uh, Samuel is in uh, North Charleston. I think he's at Monk's Corner where uh, Ambassador Haley has been doing a series of events there, and uh, I understand you have a prime location spot there, Samuel. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my uh, mobile studio today is in the Bojangles parking lot, <laughs> so uh, coming to, coming to you live from beautiful South Carolina. See, that's how you know it's legit coming from South Carolina. If you <laughs> if that's the parking lot you're in, uh, you're in for sure. Well, Samuel, as you've been covering uh, the the race and the course of the race, uh, obviously the the gap between former President Trump uh, and Nikki Haley has has still been projected as a pretty big number. Uh, but the conversations have been really interesting in South Carolina, and I think it's one that Nikki Haley has been trying to say, okay, South Carolina, you've been the, the course corrector before. Uh, you could change the dynamics once again. Certainly. And the interesting thing here, Boyd, is that in Iowa and in New Hampshire, Haley's message was that she could win, that she was planning on winning, and that she wanted to win. And, of course, she took a close third in Iowa and then second place in New Hampshire, here in South Carolina, you don't hear her talking about winning the primary, but she talks about competing and sending a message. 
there was a press call this morning with her campaign manager in which the she was the campaign manager was asked as well does ambassador haley think she can win south carolina because polls show her down by almost 30 points and the message wasn't a hard no but it was the goal of this is to provide momentum going into super tuesday which is only about nine days or ten days away now and to go from there there's no idea or no plan of dropping out of the race at this point so although Ambassador Haley does have this huge deficit here in her home state, according to most of the polls, she's very optimistic that they can send a message that if South Carolina, a deep, deep red state that Trump has carried by huge margins in both 2016 and 2020, if she can compete here, then she can compete anywhere. Yeah, and I think that's such a, an interesting thing. You look, you go back to 2020, and uh, there were a lot of calls rolling into South Carolina on the Democratic side. Uh, Bernie Sanders had all the momentum, and a lot of people were calling for then-candidate Joe Biden to get out uh, if he didn't do well in South Carolina. And then, of course, uh, he got the endorsement of uh, Jim Clyburn. Uh, everything shifted, and the race dynamics really shifted. Uh, in terms of the Haley strategy, uh, the numbers are just stunning to me that only 4% of Democrats voted in their primary earlier in the month. And so with the way they're structured there, you there are uh, 96% of the registered voters who could actually show up tomorrow and vote. What are people making of that inside South Carolina? That's correct. Yeah, we have a story about that today up on Desiree.com about this interesting move by the Haley campaign to actually push Democrats to vote. Now, they haven't done any sort of formal advertising or text pushes or anything like that. But at the end of all of her stump speeches this week, Ambassador Haley has said, remember that if you didn't vote in the February 3rd Democratic primary and you're a Democrat or an independent, you're eligible to vote in the Republican primary. So she's sending this message to voters saying, you're welcome to join and vote for us and support us regardless of your party affiliation. Now, that's infuriated the state party leadership here. The state party chair on Monday put out a statement disavowing any of these so-called ridiculous um, pushes to get Democrats or others to vote in the Republican primary. In fact, it's been seven years in a row now that the state legislature in South Carolina has tried to close the Republican primary to no avail. But then you have other groups. You have Haley's Super PAC, who's been doing ad buys and pushes on radio to get Democrats out. You have this other group called Primary Pivot, which is a super PAC started by two Democrats that are trying to send texts to all of the voters who didn't participate in the Democratic primary to get them to send in ballots on the Republican side. It's hard to know at this point how big of an impact that will make, but it's certainly an interesting strategy by Haley, who for so long has been portraying herself as this kind of conservative Republican fighter, but now is having to recognize that she's going to have to cast a bigger net if she wants to compete in her own state. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting, and you pointed out this really well in your piece at uh, Deseret.com, that there is this interesting uh, pivot. And I think throughout her campaign, uh, Nikki Haley has had a broader reach and much more stretch in terms of going from uh, the conservative right into the center and even to some of those center left uh, Democrats and independents, uh, because she clearly believes that's where the country is. Uh, we heard in her speech on Monday uh, when she did vow that uh, come Sunday morning, she'd still be in the race after South Carolina marching towards Super Tuesday. Uh, but she really did start to make that case where she was sort of tying President Biden and former President Trump together in terms of some of the failed policies and maybe hoping that the rest of the country can say, hey, wait a minute, maybe maybe there is space for a different kind of conversation. Yeah, over and over in her speeches, I've heard it twice already today, that she points to the data showing that 70% of Americans don't want President Trump 
excuse me, former President Trump or President Biden as the options in November. So she's trying to bring together kind of this disenchanted middle of a majority, maybe a quiet majority of voters who don't want Trump or Biden, who want younger leadership, who want more optimistic leadership. And that's what she's banking on at this point. It might be a tough sell here in South Carolina where people know her. Uh, you have Republicans who, who loved her as a governor. They thought she did a wonderful job of growing industry here, of leading the state through really difficult challenges, whether it be the, the shooting of Mother Emanuel or loaning the Confederate flag from the state capitol. Then you also have Democrats who went through two terms of a Haley go- governorship and didn't like her very much. Mm. So she's kind of selling to a tough crowd of people who over the last eight years have become big you know, Trump fans, MAGA folks or kind of her former supporters or former opponents. That said, we go into Super Tuesday next week where 19 other states will be voting from, you know, Utah to other states, Virginia, North Carolina. And those are kind of different voter voter bases as well. And it's very possible that her message does resonate. That said, she's not focused on that. The goal right now is South Carolina, where she does face this huge deficit. And the question is, I think you're exactly spot on, Boyd. I think the question is how many Democrats and independents turn out because the vast majority of Republicans here say that they'll be voting for former President Trump. Yeah, so interesting, and uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm going to be watching that tomorrow. Uh, since we don't have uh, NFL football, we're not quite to March Madness yet. It's all going to be about <laughs> South Carolina politics tomorrow. I love uh, it. But it will be interesting to see how that goes. And as you mentioned, uh, everything pivots to Super Tuesday, just nine days out. And, of course, uh, she will have a stop here in the state of Utah next week, and uh, we'll be covering that closely as well. Samuel Benson joining us from the exclusive Samuel Benson Bojangles studio in South Carolina today. Uh, That's how you know you're in. And uh, you can always follow all of Samuel's writing. It is brilliant writing and great analysis at Deseret.com. Also pick up his newsletter uh, there as well. And, uh, Samuel, thanks for joining us. I know it's a busy day. And uh, good luck tomorrow. We'll look forward to getting you back in the state. Yeah, thank you, Boyd. All right, that's Samuel Benson, and again, uh, coming from the Bojangles parking lot there in South Carolina, uh, just uh, outside of North Char- uh, North Charleston, Monk's Corner is uh, is really where they've been most of the day today with uh, Ambassador Haley. So we'll continue to track all of that. That's your look at presidential politics. We'll step aside for a quick break, come back with some important conversations about homelessness coming up next. Stick around. <laughs> 